podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Over 45 is a beautiful time, an opportunity to actually start to live life on our own terms. Awareness is the key. Most times we are running on autopilot, where we think and behave in the same ways we have always done. Valeria interviews Carrie Brooks, the author of Minx Up Your Life. Carrie Brooks is a professional ICF accredited life coach with years of coaching experience. She is also known as an inspirational speaker, author, regular guest on BBC Radio, and a newspaper columnist. Carrie is known in the industry as the results coach. She is passionate about helping people to achieve success and live life to their full potential. Carrie has many niches and a broad expertise in coaching, as she doesn't believe that life fits into neat little boxes. When it comes to assisting people, she feels she can go wherever they need to go to overcome any challenges they may have. She brings to the table a rich life experience, coaching expertise, with a knowledge of many varied coaching disciplines, combined with a down-to-earth, solution-based practicality. Carrie's work is an inspirational call to action for single women over 45 to start embracing love, life, and living for the moment. In the book, Carrie deals with the challenges and issues that single, older women face in a positive and inspiring way. In her 20s, Carrie enjoyed a successful career as a session musician, which included extensive touring and live shows. When she stepped away from the spotlight and gave up performing, she worked as a professional photographer specializing in photography for the music industry. Carrie brought her son up as a single mother and throughout her life has managed to balance her personal commitments with a variety of successful careers. With a rich and varied life experience, combined with her extensive coaching expertise, she is finally poised to become the voice for the women of her generation. Carrie believes that we all deserve to have inspiring and fulfilling professional and personal lives full of joy and wonder. All it takes is a decision to commit to making it happen, to step into our own personal power and create the life we want. Meet Carrie Brooks at carriebrooks.co.uk. Here is the interview with Carrie Brooks. In your own words, who is Carrie Brooks? Oh, that's a very good question, Valeria. Well, I'm passionate, I'm loving, I'm empathetic person. I have strong intuition and I'm clairsentient. 
And that means that I feel energy, which obviously is really useful being a coach. Before we talk about more specifically about the topics in your book, Mixed Up Your Life, I have these warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. What is another word for aging? That's quite interesting because I, it's one of my great passions, um, this idea not to limit ourselves. You know, there's this really good, lovely poem which sort of starts off saying, when is it okay to say, I'm old? And my response would be never because it's such a mindset. So instead of aging, you could call it um, maturing, um, sort of expanding, you know, becoming more who you are. What is life to you, Carrie? Not the meaning of life, but what is life? Yeah. Well, life to me is a gift. It's something that we've chosen, you know, we've chosen a life and it's precious. And what I find is it is tied in with aging, but the older I get, the more I embrace life and a sort of a more awestruck with the wonder of it. So it's interesting to hear that life is something that we have chosen. So I'm wondering when being a human body, do you think we chose this before coming here as a spirit, as a soul or something like that? I, I think so. That's definitely my belief. I think that we we choose to be here. It's um, I see us as sort of spiritual beings having a physical experience. <laughs> That's how I see things very much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that resonates, right. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the main purpose of being in a human body, the human experience? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's, it is about growing but it's also a lot about remembering. You know, a lot of the coaching that I do, um, I have my clients saying, oh yeah, but I knew that and I sort of forgot it and it seems really, really common sense. And a lot of it is common sense, but we get so distracted. Um, You know, children are a really good example of just being in the moment, present in life. And it seems that as we get older, we get conditioned, we get conditioned away from, you know, our, our real selves. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the coaching that I do is to help people to identify their conditioning, limiting beliefs, and to move away from them, to choose, you know, freedom. I often see it like cloaks that you're wearing, you know, heavy cloaks that were put on you, <laughs> that are wearing you down. And it's this idea of just taking the cloak off and just liberating yourself, Mm. you know. Only by listening to you saying that, it's liberating in some ways. (laughs) Good. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Good. And speaking of freedom and liberation, what would that be? What does it feel like to be free? What is to be free? I think it's about expansion. Um, I always talk about expansion as opposed to constriction. And I think a lot of, like I was talking about, the conditioning that we get brought up with, the beliefs that we um, sort of take on board are very limiting and constrictive. And the opposite of that is to start to live more expansive lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being more open. And as you said, one of the references 
to that would be being in the moment, just being here now. Yeah, exactly. Very important. <laughs> right, which is interesting to me when I think about creativity and the idea of writing books. I love writing and I use a lot of times uh, imagination to write. How do we balance being here now and at the same time imagining? Well, the imagination, I think it was Einstein who was always talked about the importance of imagination. And imagination is creativity, isn't it? And it's like a life force. It's like an energy. And um, I believe that actually everybody is creative. Um, it's just some people have found, you know, a medium for their creativity and others haven't, but we're naturally creative. Like I always go back to children, but if you see them play, they're naturally, you know, creative and it's a real beautiful energy um, there. And it is part of the expansion, in my view. What is the meaning of physical death to you, Carrie? Well, it's just leaving this body. It's quite interesting. I do listen quite a lot to Abraham, uh, Esther Hicks, And it's really funny because Abraham, uh, obviously she's translating for him, but she uses the word croak a lot, when you croak, which is just to lighten the whole idea of death because especially in our Western culture, it's shrouded with sort of mystery and, you know, and fear. And um, we've got a lot of stuff. (laughs) of sort of negative associations with death, you know, and I think that we just need to start to open up as idea of it being, you know, that we are spiritual bodies and that we, yes, we we do leave the physical body, but that, that we are so much more and always will be. Yeah. This idea of knowing, having this knowing, this wisdom that we are not only physical, that we are essentially spirits or some sort of lighter energy. That's not just the body. But this understanding or this knowing, would that take the fear away, the fear of losing the body? I think definitely. I think knowing is a really, really powerful word. It's like in life, you know, there are certain things that we just know, you know, there's certain decisions that um, we need to make. And we come to a position where we just know that this is the right decision for us. And it's so, it's so powerful to tap into that knowing. Yeah, there is a difference between knowing and and something that we have learned in knowledge, let's say. Absolutely. It's a deeper, you know, it ties in with intuition Mm. as well you know what what I often say is in the western world we're very much become like brains on legs in so much as our minds have sort of uh, we rely on our minds for everything and there is a disconnection now between the mind and let me can say the heart um, basically about um, emotions intuition and what we need to do Um, And it's a lot of work that I do with my clients is literally sort of identify the mind. Yes, very good for certain things. But what we need to activate are are, are, our feelings, our intuitions, our emotions, because that is where the knowing is. Would you be able to uh, tell me 
the ways to know when we are listening to the voice of the intuition and when we are listening to the voice of the mind, let's say? Well, generally, the mind basically just repeats what it knows. So that's why when it comes to making decisions about the future and stepping into the unknown, the mind is not the place to go mm-hmm. because it only knows what it knows, you know. So it's about cultivating this intuition and this feeling of what feels right to you, what mm-hmm. sits well with me, because that will be the right decision yeah. always. And that means a lot of um, practice on self-knowledge. Yes. And also just tuning in, you know, meditation, obviously very, very powerful, but it's just tuning in with yourself and getting to know yourself, you know, and the more that you practice sort of, well, how do I actually feel about this? I know what I think about it. Well, what do I feel about this? And just asking yourself this just cultivates, you know, this relationship with your intuition and with your feeling, which is very, very powerful. And then you start to make, you know, decisions and choices which actually are in alignment with you and who you are. What do you love most about being a woman? Well, that's a really good question. I actually love being a woman. I have a son, so <laughs> I, do, I do love men as well. I always paraphrase that, but I am, you know, a womanist. I'm a feminist in so much as I love uh, women. I love you know, their energy and uh, what they can bring to the world if they're allowed, (laughs) allowed to. And the fact that, you know, with, you know, our periods and uh, being able to, you know, bear children and uh, everything, it it means that we are so much more in touch with this intuitive self than most men are. I, I have to say most men because there are men that that are in touch, but it's just a natural thing about being a woman. When you tap into that feminine energy, you are going to be in that intuition and feeling and much more sort of seeing the world from a more natural point of view, a, a bit of uh, understanding about uh, the ebbs and flows of life. What would you say are the most challenging aspect about being a woman? That's quite interesting. I think we would not be challenged if we didn't have a society that was so mind-led, you know, the importance of logic and, you know, and rational brain. I think if we had a society which embraced more um, the emotions and the sort of um, yeah, emotive side of ourselves and um, intuitive side of ourselves, then it would be much easier as a woman. I think what happens in society is that it, it goes back to um, Freud and that idea of the hysterical woman. That is still very much in our society. Oh, we have to be rational. So if you're a working woman, a professional woman, you, you have to be very rational, you can't be emotional, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, very male attributes mm-hmm. in a way, and that's the way society looks at it. Whereas what we need to do is to embrace more what the feminine can bring to the professional life, and I think that's the biggest struggle for women is that they feel that in order to succeed, they have to shut down 
that feminine side of themselves, maybe the more emotional, maybe the more intuitive side in order to succeed. Does that make sense? I'm wondering if this is changing at this time. I hope so. I really hope so. I think also that men are beginning to um, open up to the importance of this and the fact that, like I said before, you know, we're not all mind-led. We need to get in touch with how we're feeling about things. And I think that's the the biggest difficulty of being the woman is being to hold your head up high and be able to say, do you know what, I feel very emotional today or I might be premenstrual or have my period or be menopausal and that's how I am and that's okay. But for that to be accepted and that to be something that is seen as part of life and not something to be almost hidden or put away. So it means we need to change ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's about becoming braver, about having more of a voice, because a lot of the work, coaching work I do with women is to help them find their voice yeah. because of conditioning and the fact that most girls are brought up to be very nurturing, very caring, putting everybody else first. You know, there's that um, nursery rhyme, sugar and spice and all things nice. And that's what girls (laughs) girls are. So, and it's, I have to say, it's meant well um, by your your family members or the people who have influence over you growing up because they want you to fit in. But what they're really saying is that you need to put everybody else first. So a good example is that if Sarah jumps up, age 10, she jumps up on the sofa and she says, I'm brilliant at this. You say, yes, Sarah, that's very good. But you know what? Keep it to yourself because nobody likes to show off. If George jumps up on the sofa, age 10, and says, I'm brilliant at that. The idea is, oh, George, he's a show off. But he's not told to dampen that down. And so a lot of the people pleasing that women have, um, most women that I coach and myself, I have to say, um, have been people pleasers where I'm more worried about what everybody else thinks and trying to please everybody rather than actually finding my true voice and be able to express who I am. What is love to you, Carrie? Love is, is everything. You know, love is when you are in a state of love that you're feeling, you know, when you're feeling love towards a person, towards um, even animals, I'm a great animal lover, so I feel <laughs> love towards animals, you know, children. You know how sometimes you can just be out in the world and you look around and you're just feeling love for everything? That is the, is, is the most wonderful feeling in the world. So how did you become a writer? Well, this was quite interesting, is that the book sort of wrote itself in so much as Minx Up Your Life, my book, was basically a trigger and a response. Because as a coach, I was finding that um, women that I was coaching 45 plus, there was a theme that kept emerging with these women. And this was the fact that they thought that they had missed the boat both career-wise and relationship-wise. And actually, they had nothing to look forward to and that their life was pretty much done. And there were a few articles about 
you know, the wilderness of women in their 50s and all this that were coming out at the same time. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I have to write a book about what a positive, amazing time of life it is for a woman 45 plus. And the main reason is for this is because women that I've coached in their 30s upwards, up till from about 30 to early 40s, they all had one thing in common, which is have the babies, not have the babies, find the man to have the babies. (laughs) Because obviously there's a biological (laughs) clock ticking away. So the beauty about, you know, being a woman 45 plus is for most women, the stop ticking. So the cards have been dealt. Either you have children and they're growing up, or you're not having children, which actually is a choice for some women. But there's a lot of pressure, can be a lot of pressure to have children for women. So the beauty about 45 plus is it's a time of life of a woman where she can actually start thinking about herself. So the reproduction is done and it's like, okay, great. What do I want to do with this part of my life? Because obviously my children are growing up and I'm beginning to be able to to think about what I want this part of my life to be. And I also did it for single women over 45 because it's particularly challenging for older women being single in our culture. And what happens often with women, you know, 45 plus, 50s, 60s, is that they've been in partnership um, for years and years and then the children leave home and suddenly people realize that they actually have nothing in common once the children have gone. So there's a high rate of divorce, which obviously leaves the men and the women single. But in our culture, it is easier for a man to be older single man than it is for a woman because of everything that goes with it. And this idea, well, I'm too old. Um, I'm 45 plus, I'm 50, I'm too old to actually start, you know, a new chapter in my life. And I just wanted to flip this on its head and say, actually, this is a brilliant time for women. (laughs) What do we do with those beliefs? Do we replace them? Do we try to change, get rid of them? Well, I think the first stage is to become aware, aware of them. I always say stage one is awareness. If you're not aware of the limiting beliefs that you're running, And what I mean by limiting beliefs is beliefs that we have that we think of just as facts. And I I almost see them like a software program that we're running and we're not aware (laughs) that this software program is running and actually affecting our thinking and our behaviors. And once we become aware of you know, our sort of limiting beliefs. One of them, for example, exposed in this book is, well, once I'm a woman 45 plus, I'm not sexy, I'm not attractive, I've got nothing to offer. That is a limiting belief. Um, It's tied in with this idea of aging and, you know, this idea of as a woman, what's your worth? So your worth is as a mother and then as a grandmother and then you know, which is part of societal's idea of what a woman should be, which is shifting and changing, you know, because there are women who, you know, this whole, this whole idea of, of aging always makes me chuckle because 
you know, there's several people that I can quote now, like Mary Wellesley was a famous author. She sold 10 million books. Uh, she, one of her most famous books is called The Kamala Lawn, and she started writing at 73. Wow. Grandma Moses, who, is, um, who was a painter, she sold, I think in 2006, she sold one of her um, paintings for about six million. Mm-hmm. Um, she started painting in her 80s. She was okay. called Grandma Moses. And the idea, what I love about these people is, and people say, oh, yeah, but that's not me. You know, that's somebody else. But all that, what they do share is this refusal to be limited by this idea of age. And, you know, Sidney Poitier as well, fantastic actor, famous, uh, famous actor, director. He wrote his first novel at 85. And it's this mindset that I love. It's about, no, until I drop, <laughs> until I take my last breath, I am living and I'm doing, and I'm not going to limit myself to this idea of, well, I'm too old to do this. I'm too old to do that. There was this other wonderful woman, 103, and she, <laughs> she, you know, she was doing marathons. I mean, you know, what is it that these people have? A really positive mindset and the refusal to be defined by their age. That makes me think about the obstacles to that. Would you say TV, uh, media, uh, mainstream media, people around us, family members? It is. I mean, the thing is, is that we are affected by our environment. And, you know, the whole thing about advertising is advertising creates a lack, takes your, takes, you know, says, look, there's a lack here. And if you buy this product, you will fill it, (laughs) you know, and it's often about, women in their 20s and 30s with face creams, you know, to avoid wrinkles, you know, and the the beauty industry, unfortunately, has this very strong voice, which is basically saying to women, not good enough, you're not good enough. And as you get old, those voices get louder, (laughs) not good enough, you know, you're not good enough, or you're too old, or you, you know, You don't want to look old, which is really quite, you know, interesting about, you know, we all know people who are older and yet they're full of life and you just feel this wonderful, beautiful energy coming off them. And I think that that we just need to shift away from these limiting ideas of, oh, well, you're 50 or 60 or 70. Oh, well, what does that entail? Because what happens with this idea of aging is that people just make their world smaller. But it is a choice and it's a decision. I know that we have all these external factors, but at the end of the day, we always have a choice about what life we want to create for ourselves. And so this idea of just, you know, constantly sort of just questioning, hang on a minute, what is old? No, I'm not old. I don't want to fit into that. I want to enjoy and experience life to the full. Talk to me for a moment, Carrie, about self-acceptance and self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? Well, I think it's really important. I mean, when we talk about self-image, this is what we're talking about here, isn't it? This idea 
uh, always talking about being older women. So this idea of being an older woman and having, it's about having belief in yourself. And it is self-love because it's about appreciation. It's about valuing. And we, all of us need to, any age, we need to value and appreciate ourselves first. And a lot of the problems that happen in relationships is because people are searching for somebody else to give them that uh, value and appreciation that they can't find in themselves. So that's always step one is we need to value, appreciate ourselves. And that is self-love. And uh, it's essential for emotional, psychological well-being. And also to be able to actually reach our full potential in life with our relationships, uh, with the career, whatever's important to us. It's so important. It's number one. It's about valuing and appreciating ourselves, which then we get into, you know, the positive thinking and positive thoughts, uh, which I could talk for ages, which I won't. (laughs) But it's all tied in with our self-talk. So what do we say to ourselves? You know, what, what voice do we have here? Is it the critical voice, which is always saying, oh, well, look at that, oh, look at that, oh, you you know, oh, you're ugly, oh, look at your hair, oh, look at your teeth, oh, whatever, this voice that we have about not good enough, oh, what did you say there, oh, that wasn't very good, and all this negative um, self-talk that we have, that needs to shift, and we need to sort of start to be aware and develop a positive self-talk about us, which is encourages this feeling of appreciation and valuing and loving ourselves. For a moment, talk to me about menopause. I know this is uh, uncomfortable for many people to talk about, not myself, but other people, including you, in the sense, in the book you mentioned about, (laughs) yeah, that was kind of funny. So talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because the thing is with the menopause is that what what is really obvious to me is that every single woman has either been through the menopause, is going through the menopause, or will go through the menopause. Unless, obviously, they take loads of HRT, which a few women do, to to avoid it. But it is a natural stage in a woman's reproductive cycle. And I did, I was honest in the book, because I didn't initially want to write a chapter about it. And then I sort of did a bit of, you know, sort of self talk and thinking to myself, well, Carrie, this is interesting. Why are you um, not wanting to write a chapter about the menopause? And it's because the whole um, cultural idea of what goes with along with the menopause, which is this idea of, well, you're dried up, you have nothing left to offer. A woman who is not fertile and productive is not of value. You know, this is, is, this is running very strongly in our culture. So um, I have noticed recently in the last few years, thank goodness, that there's more talk and more openness about it because it is a real, we talk about shift, it's a real shift, um, you know, for women. And it's about embracing it as another chapter and that you are just as beautiful just as sexy, just as all these wonderful, lovely things during the menopause and afterwards as you are before. But it is this this idea of, you know, a dried up woman 
And and when I was literally thinking to myself, which I write in my book about it, I said, this is uncomfortable. Well, Carrie, you're going to have to face it and you're going to write about it (laughs) and you're going to do it because we need to just normalize it. It is every day. As I said, every woman is, you know, will be, has been, you know, or is going through the menopause. And there's so much secrecy and almost, can I say the word, shame about it that we need to start bringing it out into the open. And there are cultures where it's a real, it's seen as a real positive transition for a woman, you know, and we need to have more of this sort of concept about it, more about a positive, um, you know, sort of, yeah, ideal about about the menopause. I think it's, it seems like to be the, the root cause of most suffering is this lack of acceptance, isn't it, to what is natural. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a natural. You see, you know, periods weren't talked about for ages either. And it was all, I mean, certainly when I was growing up, it was something that you kept hidden and it was shameful. And it's very important that uh, that this is sort of just like you said, it's natural. It's part of the body. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's what happens. And uh, and I like the fact that young women are talking more openly about it. I think it's really good. I think there's a lot of positivity with younger women, which I embrace fully. I think what needs to happen now is a shift for my generation just to start, you know, creating a voice. Because what I say in my book, which I think is really important, is that if we don't say, because I'm obviously a woman over 45, (laughs) if (laughs) if we don't start saying very clearly what this time of life is for us, we will be told what it is. So we need to develop the voice and start sort of literally shouting from the rooftop rooftop saying, you know, this is a new period, uh, chapter of my life. I'm excited about it and I want to embrace it to the full. I love in your book what you say. There's a phrase, I think it's under the chapter, being a minx in mind and body. You say a healthy, beautiful body goes along with a, a healthy, beautiful mind. It's so true. And that changed the idea of shifting the attitude, the way we think, so we can change the outer world. Exactly. And we're almost at the end of the interview. I have a few more questions for you. They are unrelated to the subject, but we can always bring it back. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, Carrie? I suppose I'll just, no, let me just talk on the top of my head. It's like the reason that I wrote the book is that, yes, I'm a professional life coach. And yes, I have assisted many women over 45, to start embracing that time for their life, to get out there, start living. Absolutely, I've done that. But also what was important to me is to have the personal side because I um, am a single woman over 45 as well. So I felt that it was important also to write from that personal side. So it has, yes, the professional coaching side, obviously, And it's got tips and strategies in about how best to move forward during this time. But it's also personal. So, um, you know, I want the reader to feel like we're in this together as well. And I also say I have humor in there because I think it's really important. (laughs) Humor is so important because we get all so serious about everything. 
So it's it's a book that I wrote from the heart as a reaction to all this limitation I could see coming in and, you know, literally articles and media that were telling women, your life is over, you've got nothing left to give, which is absolutely the opposite. I called it Minx Up Your Life because um, I looked up in the dictionary and the dictionary, the, the definition of a minx is a sexually attractive, playful woman who often causes trouble. Right. And I thought that was delightful. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So being single, is that a choice? It continues to be a choice for you, your choice? Well, you know, I, obviously I, I have been in relationships and, uh, you know, long relationship uh, with the father of my son and everything. And I'm, I'm single now because I'm embracing being single, but that's not that I'm not open. Absolutely. I, I love when you find a person that you really resonate with and you have, a, you know, an intimate relationship with, it's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. But we need to love ourselves first, like I say, value and appreciate ourselves so we can bring our best selves to the table. But yes, I'm always open. I just want to enjoy every day that I have, you know, and if it happens to be single, that's fine. And, you know, if someone comes into my life, I'm open for that too. (laughs) Beautiful answer. Thank you, Carrie, for your wisdom. What is success to you these days? What is to be successful? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I often ask my clients, what is a successful life to you? Because it is different for everyone. For me, it's to have a life full of love. That's very, it's a very successful life to me. But it's also about life purpose and dharma. And I feel that mine is to be of assistance to people, um, you know, to sort of bring them up as well (laughs) and just expand them. You know, what I always say to my clients, I'm here, you know, to help you fly, but I want you to fly. I'm just here to help you fly. And for that, it brings goosebumps to me. And for me, a successful life is, you know, hopefully when I'm 90, that'd be fantastic to look back on my life and say, do you know what? I absolutely fulfilled what I needed, which was a life of purpose, of helping and assisting other people as well to live their life as, uh, to the full. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I think what I would, because I'm actually half Italian and I live in London because this is where my work is. But I think if I knew that I was going to die soon, I would just take myself off and live by the Mediterranean Sea because that's where my heart is. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fun. Yeah, it's lovely. (laughs) And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Okay, so what I know for sure is life is passionate. Life is full of love if we choose to open ourselves to it. And essentially, we create the life we want. Thank you so much for this conversation, for your authenticity. And I love how fun you are. Oh, good. Light and fun. <laughs> and your wisdom. 
Yes, thank prof- you. Profound. Thank you. Thank you. So I do have one more question for you, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Right. Okay. So my website is carriebrooks.co.uk. So that's um, the coaching work that I do. My book, Minks Up Your Life, you can find on Amazon, I think Barnes and Nobles, and generally most of the ebook. And there's, it's also a paperback um, as well. And I'm on LinkedIn if people <laughs> are professional and want to get in touch that way. But, um, you know, I have contacts and I actually coach people internationally or all over the world. And uh, that's what I find uh, really exciting. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Carrie. It's my pleasure. All the best. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Carrie Brooks and her work, please visit carriebrooks.co.uk. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.